0: I, I never forget old Joe Saldana Joey's Joey's dad we were I don't remember where we were actually anyway he comes up to me and he goes can, can, can I use your car I'm like yeah he goes come for a run with me I need to go down the road like, yeah okay no worries we we'll go down the road he, and we're in the car and driving along. he goes I've got to do a bit of debt collecting <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Why>? cal- oh, <laughs> oh
1: shit what are we doing <laughs> <here>? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we, I'm going down the road with old Joe Saldana and we pull up at this guy's race shop Yeah. And he goes, just wait here. If you hear anything, come in. If you don't, you know, I'll be, I'll be back in about fifteen minutes. And yeah. He walks in. And, okay. Wait. Joe walks out with three right rear rims. Yeah. He's got one under his arm, one in each hand. And he's struggling them out. He goes, can we chuck these in the back seat? Yeah. He goes, all right, debt solved. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Holy <laughs>
0: shit What's
3: happened to Joey by the way Because he's kind of gone off the mat I remember him racing for the Belt Bowens for a brief period And then there's nothing really happened up there. Did he did just retire or
0: Yeah I think you know we're talking about with Brooke his Yeah. level of rides Yeah, I think Joey was in, in that situation
1: We would like to thank our major sponsor Thrifty Car Rental If you're looking for a great deal on your next car rental For an upcoming trip Check out their website for the latest offers. You can find all the links in our show notes.
0: Go, go, go! you doing anything? That's a massive craft. This is amazing! Big shot, big shot, and it's lights out, and away we go!
3: G'day, I'm Dan Hawley Hollihan, and welcome to my motorsports podcast up On the Cat with Hooley Season 2 which is more than just a motorsports podcast. My guests are from all sides of the track, errors and personalities. You'll meet some who've spent their careers chasing the dream to those who've only just touched on it and went on to aspiring journeys. We learn their stories beyond the helmet. On today's episode, we've got the legendary sprint car driver, Warren Ferguson, a privateer in the scene growing up in Granville near Parramatta Speedway. It was always Warren's dream to race 410s. Warren has not only raced in Australia but also the United States, a dream many aspire to. Throughout his career, Warren has received amazing opportunities in the sprint car scene. Plus, we hear about his wild stories with some speedway legends both in Australia and the US. Warren also played a huge part in building the Olympic site at Homebush, which has held many sporting memories for the city of Sydney. I could go on and on about the stories he told, but instead of listening to me ramble on for hours, let's hear it from the man himself, Warren Ferguson. Was welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, dude.
3: I, w- I just want to know how you've been and what's what's going on in as World?
0: Woz's World? Well, it's funny because that's what uh, my partner Kirsten, she calls it Warren's World <laughs> <laughs> because everything's about me. You know? <laughs> but uh, look, um, I have a, a pretty hectic work schedule. Yep. Um, I, I, I took on a company just before COVID and the goal was to fix it up and turn it into a better business. And then- yep. Covid railroaded that, yeah, right. So that's pretty full on. And then uh, we just started racing again. We we ran our first race for the season last week, and I'm back in my own car, my own team. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of work, you know, around that, and um, I, I do a lot of it myself. Yeah. As much as I'd love to have crew around all the time, yeah, the people that help, I'm really grateful for, but mm. um, they they're not there every night when you want to go out and spend an hour in the shed. So yeah. So that's pretty full on, and um, I got
3: to touch on though what hmm. what you said. You were trying to fix up a company, but then it went to it fell to shit because of COVID. What was what was the company, or what, what's the process with your businesses?
0: Well, I I I don't own a business. Yeah. I, I work for for a company, and hmm. uh, I've worked in the lighting industry for about thirty years. Yeah, and I, I got to a point where I manage a lot of businesses. Anything, I think the biggest business I've managed is about forty million. Yeah, and um. I tend to go in there and make them happen. Yeah. So they go from being maybe a good business into a great business. Yeah. And, and and you need lots of other support from the company. You don't do it by yourself. Yeah. Um, but um, you put the structures in place and you get the right people in place and, and make all that happen. And and this one had very little structure, <laughs> very little people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I knew it was in trouble, but I, I took on the GM's role to really uh, turn it around. Yeah. And when COVID hit, it it just stopped me from doing anything. We actually went backwards and now, now we're going forwards, which is nice.
3: Yeah. I think now because of COVID, I f- it feels like for me and especially Brooke and I'm working this podcast, it feels like everything's working at 110% for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Because we've gone from like nothing for two years and then just completely just bulldozed since 2022.
0: Well, I... I don't feel like I had a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, I, I, well, it was probably good that COVID came along and I didn't have to worry about racing. Yeah. Because that takes a chunk of time and uh, uh, I could focus a bit more on, on the company. We, we use the time to pull apart all the bad things. Yeah. And then start structuring the good things. Whereas if you're trying to run a business at the same time, it's really hard to be doing all that at, at once.
1: Have you ever come from being on the tools um, in 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 lighting and what you've been working in, or has it been more a management role that you've come from?
0: Um, I'm I'm a bit of a jack of all trades style bloke. I, I'm not a tradie. Um, I in terms of education, I left in year ten, mm-hmm. and and I did a, a lighting course for a year, and I did a management course, like an on site on campus management course for a couple of weeks, and and that's pretty much it. And I've I've grown my way through the industry. Mm. Um, you know, g- good people that I've worked around and you act like a bit of a sponge, you know, you pick up everything that they do that's really good and then you combine that into who you are. Yeah. And I've gone from, you know, pretty much taking a job in the lighting industry because my parents said, if you don't get a job, you're getting kicked out of home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And took that all the way to a GM role where I am now.
3: Yeah, right. And then obviously it was the lighting thing through, was the courses through TAFE or was it?
0: Yeah, it was a TAFE course. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, And you went to school across the road from Parramatta Speedway, didn't you? Or well, like in, in Granville, yeah. In Granville, yeah, okay. Yeah,
0: so I, I grew up uh, about a kilometre in a straight line from the racetrack. Yeah, right. So we could hear it at home. If we didn't go, yeah, of course I was pretty upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I could hear it from home each week when, when we didn't go. Um, my parents were, I, I'd call them Speedway Tragics, yeah. you know, they they certainly introduced me to it. Yeah, and, um, and and growing up in Granville, you you sort of run into people that were at the speedway. Sometimes we'd a couple of mates or friends we'd walk to the speedway. Yeah, yeah, you know, and go watch the races. That was a, a social thing. And um, high school, you know, I had Braziers yeah. and Manifes and people like that around. So,
3: so how many how many were you going to school with? Obviously, there was yeah, the Braziers and the Manifes. Was there the Fars as well? Would that kind of come
0: later? The- Bars weren't in my area. Uh, Brucey White's uh, daughter uh, yeah. went to our high school, so there was probably the three that I know, and I'm sure there's more since I've left that go through there as well. But yeah, um, being in the area, just you know, it was kind of cool. And I, I wasn't, I was a nobody. Yeah, you know, I'm walking home with one of the Braziers or something, and I hooked up with the niece who mm. knew them and went to school with them, and and uh, I, I guess. How I I got really inserted in the whole racing scene was um, my dad had trucks and he, the Manise used to service his trucks. Yeah, right. And they were.
3: Was this John's dad? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah,
0: John's dad, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah, so John's dad used to have a truck servicing business. Yeah. And so my dad knew uh, John Sr. for for years and years. Yeah, um, right. Even before John had his own business. Yeah, right. So. uh, they had a modified once and one time they bought a sprint car. Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> was this out the back? Of, so their their racing, was it was it out the back of their business or something?
0: For their- um, back then, it was a bit of a mixed bag. Sometimes the racing was at their workshop up at, at Villawood. They mm. had a, a truck repair and sales workshop there. Yeah. And then sometimes it was out of uh, John Senior's house at Guildford. Yeah, which, okay. Which incidentally was – about five houses down from the high school yeah. I went to. <laughs> right? yeah. So, uh, but I, I knew, you know, John, John Senior is a hell of a man yeah. and uh, he's done a lot of lot of things for a lot of people and sport, and very generous, and I got a lot of respect for him. And uh, each Christmas he used to hold a, a fundraiser at his house at Guildford mm. where he'd do a, a, a whole big display of You know, Santa Claus and his whole front windows, his whole house was dedicated to Christmas. Yeah, right. Uh, And uh, him and his wife did this every year. And and we used to go there and... and Yeah. Yeah, I'll say this. Yeah, you that's you know, a podcast. I, I used to see yeah, uh, I used to see John running around dressed in a little elf outfit selling raffle tickets <laughs> and things.
2: And
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's we not gonna want forgive photos. me, for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: We definitely want photos, Johnny, if you're listening yes. of this. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: right. so it was was Johnny essentially your best mate at school or or did no. you have a bunch of mates? Like what was what was your school life like? Because I do ask this on occasional podcasts.
0: Yeah, school life was not about racing. Yeah. It, it was, um, you know, as a as a teenager, I was I was a BMX guy. Yeah. Okay. I raced for about eight years. Um, traveled all over the country every weekend. We we well, we probably raced forty eight weekends a year. Oh in, wow! In BMX. In BMX. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So, how
1: far did you go in BMX? Like, what level uh, were you competing at?
0: National plates.
1: Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So national plate level. I didn't win a national title, but we were in national finals mm-hmm. and. Um, I think the best we were in the state was about third a couple of times in a row, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, at a, at a pretty decent level for the '80s, right? Yeah, yeah. that's
1: awesome. And what made you stop doing BMX?
0: Um, I, I think it was a combination of factors, really. Mm. You know, you grow up a little bit, and uh, I I always thought somehow I could make a career out of it, mm. whether I owned a company or started a design business or. A bike shop, I don't know, and then and then when I, I turned sixteen, you know, race cars opened up a little bit more. Girls kind of came along, <laughs> distractions.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: um, you know, you bought a car and you forgot to ride your bicycle everywhere, and all those sort of things. So, uh, I, I still love it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I've got a nice, 1980s collection of BMX bikes. actually. Really, oh, hey, wow. House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Awesome. Yeah, rest- restore them all rest- like. Brand new, period correct. Wow!
1: How many are we talking?
0: Uh, a dozen. Oh, yeah, yep. yep. I got a, I got a whole bedroom dedicated <laughs> to my BMXs. <laughs> so, so did so. You, Warren's world, right? Yeah, yeah, Warren's world. That's exactly right. Well, Wayne's
3: world is, is the movie I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but um, yeah, I was I was thinking obviously with the BMXing stuff, you were obviously like a a go getter since you were young, or like an adrenaline junkie. So when you did the, how did you? Did you just pick up a BMX bike one day and just go? I'm just going to race this. Or how does that whole scene work? Do you know what I mean? Like not like that. Not like
0: that. Okay. Not like that. Not for me anyway. Like yeah. some kids do it from four years old and they're a natural and they're and they're and they're going to be a star, right? Yeah. I I think I was twelve before mm-hmm. I got a bicycle. Yeah. Um. I, I no actually yeah I would have been probably eleven when I got a bicycle and I think my first race was when I was twelve. Yeah. And I didn't ride a bicycle till I was nearly eleven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I rode skateboards and did, you know, simple little things. I played some soccer and stuff like that. And, and, uh, but there, there was just this, I don't know, I, I wasn't good at it. Yeah. And then when I learned that I could be good at it, I just never stopped. Yeah. How'd
3: you meet your childhood friend,
0: Justin Hedges? Because didn't he race pro stock? Yeah. Jason, Jason and I, uh, kindergarten in, Primary school. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we've known each other since we were about five years old.
3: Yeah, right. Because I was trying to dig through, like, obviously your school history and racing with other drivers. So Justin was obviously a part of the whole thing with that. And-
0: yeah, Jason was um, – what happened – you know, Jason lived about three streets down from me mm. and, uh, of course, going to school together. And then we we realised, you know, in the classroom and in the downtime, we'd sit there and start drawing stuff. You know, yeah. We were both pretty – Good at drawing things, and and um, and then I drew a sprint car, and he drew a sprint car. Hey, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who else knows about sprint cars around <laughs> here, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, he, his dad was a, a, a massive Bob Blacklaw fan. Yep, yeah. and um, uh, he was a massive Steve Brazier fan. Yeah, okay. And I was a massive Gary Rush fan. Yeah. So you know, it, it just meant we were all competitive, and it's like. Uh, yeah. Growing up, once once we got old enough, um, if we were going to races and he wasn't with his family because we weren't all we we're talking very very working class, yeah. yeah, yeah. Growing up, it, it, we we didn't have wealth at all, yeah. Um, all coming from trades backgrounds essentially. My dad was a truck driver, and I think Jason's dad, offhand, worked in a in a factory or production area. Yeah, you know okay. what I mean. So we're talking mm. real grassroots type type people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um. We, we realised that our families like the racing. So if one family wasn't going this week, because, yeah, everybody's on a budget, mm. well, then Jason would tag along with us or I'd tag along with Jason or yeah. whatever. Yeah, we didn't get to all the shows, of course, but but we, we certainly went went to the races and absolutely loved it, yeah. yeah.
3: Did you ever go to Liverpool Speedway, though? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Can you actually explain for me, because I've never seen it and Brooks never seen it, like Liverpool, what was it like? And was it... The vibe more of the new speedway now? Like where is it more compact or was it more open like
0: the Parramatta track? Liverpool was uh, funny for me because there's a BMX was a BMX track right outside as well. Oh wow. So you had the, the, the speedway circuit and right next to it you had Metro West BMX. Yeah, okay. So it was a bit of a revered Place for me, it's mm.
1: your heaven. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah,
0: um, but the the speedway itself was like a mini. Can I say a mini colosseum mm. type thing? Yeah, it you know it didn't have that stature, but it, it had the covered in roof on the grandstand on the main straight. Yeah, and so you got the echo of the cars. And uh, I didn't I didn't go there when it was pavement. I went there when it was dirt. Mm. I mean, I watched the Kinsas and those sort of guys there. Yeah. Um, my dad went there plenty of times, but um, I think we we were dirt track people as opposed to pavement people, and and that just meant we didn't go much. We we we'd see Mike Raymond on Sunday doing the Grand National, you know, ten yeah. minute recap or something. But but Liverpool, it was a D shaped track, so so it was I. I raced compact speed cars there once or twice. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it's a little dark part of my past. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, what year was that? <laughs> Oh gee.
3: Like early late 90s or sorry not like early 90s late 80s. Um cuz it shut when did it shut 94 or something or, or or earlier. Yeah, well it
0: had to be early 90s then. Yeah. 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 Had to be somewhere around there.
3: Yeah. That track though cuz we I've gone to Liverpool to pick up a go-kart and I've always like I've always gone, like, where was this track? Because I'm right asleep. where the
0: shopping center is.
3: Yeah, right, the Westfield.
0: Yeah, well, I'm not, I mean, not not Westfield, Liverpool, but yeah. there's a shopping center. I think it's Green Valley or something like that. Oh, okay. It's right where that shopping center is, is basically where the racetrack was.
3: Yeah, right. Can you can you touch on, obviously, racing? Obviously, you said it's a dark past, but you hit a little go at Liverpool. <laughs> can you actually, <laughs> like, explain the night out when you went there? And because you would have been a rookie back then, do you know what I mean? Oh, like,
0: very raw. Yeah. Um, look, I, uh, uh, I, I got very lucky with the Maneefs. Yeah. They, uh, I did a lot of work on their race cars just because I loved it. Mm-hmm. And, um, John Jr. says to me, Well, you know, if you build this car up for a couple of shows, I'll give you a couple of B mains. Yeah. I've never, never raced, I it's a didn't even car. race Go Kart. Yeah. Sprinker. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Wow. Sprinker. Yeah. I hadn't even raced, uh, Go Karts. Um, I'd done a few practice days on Go Karts, but that's about it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I don't, and I oh, okay. So we got my dad's box trailer and everything, and hustled over to John's and brought all this this race car back in pieces and I and I built it in my dad's shed. Yeah. And then we did these couple of couple of uh day shows. So I I got bitten by this bug to go racing. Because yeah. I ran a couple of B mains in John's car and no money. How do you go racing? No money. Well, anyway, one of our one of our neighbors, um, he ended up buying a compact. And uh I did some work on it. Helped him out a little bit, and then he bought another one. And he said, "Oh well, you know, you can kind of have a few races in the other one." Yeah, your beauty. <laughs> I just keep working my way into these things, right? Yeah. And
3: uh, so you were just hanging around, hoping for someone to just go, you know, what? have a go. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You look good. You yeah. know, why not? Just have a go. <laughs> but uh, it didn't last very long. Unfortunately, there was a bit of a falling out. And uh, so I did. I don't know two, three, four races in this in this compact, and um and let it be. But uh, I, I I was bitten. I wanted to race. You know, I would raced BMX for nearly ten years, and now I was around race cars, and I'm like, I, I want to race.
1: It's that competitive bug. Yeah. You know, you yeah. Get it, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Did your dad and uncle? Did you, is it your dad or your uncle had to go on Speedway as well, or or did I misread that?
0: No. Technically, they both did. Okay. Yeah. So so my dad played around with stock cars at Westmead and, uh, you know, I don't know, a few Sunday shows. I don't know whether it was two, three, four, half a dozen races or something, but stock cars back then were the sort of things you get yourself heard in pretty quick. Yep. And uh, I remember him saying to me once, he goes, I was, I was too big for the car and I'm banging my knees all the time and that was that, Yeah. you know. So he, he did a bit of that. But then my uncle bought a uh, an old uh, what they call CAE modified off of John Barrett, who was Gary Rush's main guy. Yeah, right. So it was a, a decent car. I have no idea how good the motor was or anything like that. But um, they kept it at my my grandmother's place in Auburn, which again, you know, is about a kilometre the other way from the racetrack. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, they went and and ran that for a couple of seasons. And and I think my, you know my uncle's not with us anymore, but. Um, He just loved it. He just loved the sport. You know, my dad's family loved the sport. They loved going to the speedway and, um, you know, Sydney Showground and all those places. And when, when Uncle Ken could, he raced. And then when he couldn't afford it, it stayed in our garage. Yeah, right. So... Who do you reckon was out sitting there behind the steering wheel every day, going <laughs>
3: racing?
2: <laughs>
3: Yourself? Did you do you, like? Obviously, we said Liverpool Spur, but did you ever go to like Newcastle um, Motodrome? The sh- like you said, you mentioned the Showground. Do you mention? Do you remember all those tracks or? Any- yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I I raced the Motodrome. I've raced the Motodrome in sprints, midgets, and go karts. Okay. Um, so I've, I've done a fair few laps there and, uh, I, I didn't mind that place. It was actually all right. Yeah. What was Um, that truck like?
3: And where was it located in Newcastle actually?
0: Place called Tomago. Okay. Near, near where the Caterpillar, the big Caterpillar truck place is not far away. Um, it, it's sort of near, you just go across the bridge at Hexham and basically into the right and it's just sort of, it was tucked in there. It's industrial area now, but, uh. No that was a that was a a place. It didn't have the atmosphere that a place like Liverpool had though.
3: Yeah.
0: Um it was a more of a regional facility. A quality track for a regional track, but more of a regional facility. You know, regional style crowds and, and Yeah. Did it ever sell out though or was it or was, uh, was it just more of a I went to a couple. No, uh, I went to a couple of national titles there and Definitely some good crowds. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. And Steve, you were saying Steve Raymond, those guys are the ones promoting Speedway back then, weren't they? Like, essentially, it was bigger than supercars in a way because those, those, those
0: two, the two brothers were the driving force, really. Mike and Steve in Sydney, you know, I, I, I mean, I've met Mike many times. I'm friends with Mike's son and daughter do- through BMX, incidentally. Mm. I met Mike's son and daughter, you know, Andy, which I think most people in sports know who Andy is. And, yeah. Uh, Andy he loves his rugby league, doesn't Andy, he? He certainly does.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, And Lyndall, uh, you know, I, I knew those guys as teenagers. We'd go and meet up at the BMX track and, and, and race on weekends. Um, our families couldn't have been more apart. Like socially we were poles apart. Yeah. But the, the common denominator was go and have fun. And uh, I, see, I see the history of what Mike and Steve put into Speedway, Sydney Showground. The way they pumped the crowd, pumped the marketing and the audience, um, even Liverpool—you know, Liverpool had a—I believe Liverpool had a bigger stature than what Parramatta did. Yeah, right. Yeah, Parramatta was, in terms of a races facility, ten times what Liverpool was. Yeah, okay. But but the the crowd, the way they they promoted that facility, you would have thought otherwise.
3: And that were they promoting Liverpool or Parramatta or they, both?
0: They so they they were Sydney Showground people. From my recollection, back at in the, the early start. days, yeah. Yep. Um, they may have been a bit before that, but that's getting before my time. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit crazy to picture like Speedway in the eastern suburbs all these years later, isn't it? Like you think about it, you are like, holy shit! Like that area is pretty ritzy. Do you know what I mean? yeah, Oh yeah, yeah it's <laughs> yeah. plenty of money
1: there. Yeah. <laughs> like can fund- them as sponsors, <laughs> they, they can
3: fund our sport quite yeah. right, nicely. <laughs> Race at Arleon Stadium.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I look. I. I went there a bit as a child, you know, well, actually my, my parents used to take me when I was still a baby Yeah, to Sydney Showground. Of course, I don't remember, but uh, I remember going there in the sedan days with the big Ed Wilbers, you know, the the Rodney Combs and those sort of guys. And then you had the Steve Kins, the Doug Wolfgang, Sprint Car Tours, you know, some, some pretty iconic days at Sydney Showground. I, I went there as a spectator, but. I also went there for the very last uh, midget show that they held. And, um, you know, it was pretty special because you, you realise this was something that was – this was the end of an era. Whether the track was a great track or a bad track, by modern standards, it's terrible track. But when you look at what those guys used to race, um, you know, the Johnny Stewarts and the Jeff Freemans in those midgets and the, and the Jimmy Aries on the bikes and mm. and that, that – Man, that track would have been beautiful for them guys. Small cars, really exciting. Yeah. Um
3: But the, did they race sprint cars around there?
0: They did. Yeah. And it was
3: this year. Was it? it was just like a one, like a one lane track? Really? Would, it it, it was pretty
0: narrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember it super well as a spectator. Yeah. Because um, the sprint cars would have stopped there. Early eighties, maybe. Yeah. But um, in in those last couple of shows, they just ran the midgets.
3: Yeah, okay. Just because it's it's well, it is a small track, but it's yeah. just narrow.
0: It yeah. was actually big in terms of size. Yeah, but it was so narrow they needed to grade a whole another couple of grooves. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and then you obviously you were saying about like, do you remember much of West Westmead Speedway or not? Really? Did your dad tell you anything about it? Or he anything?
0: told me lots of things. You know. Uh, he was there on some pretty iconic moments, um, you yeah, know, the, the the day Jeff Freeman left us, and um, things like that. So, I, I think Westmead was the epitome of the '60s. Yeah, that's that's really what it was. Was that it, it was a cool social Sunday afternoon? Let's go to Speedway. I, I, I'd almost say going to Westmead Speedway. I always, in my mind, is like. How I maybe went to the Maccas car park when I was a late teenager. <laughs> <you know>?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, right. Wow. Yeah.
0: It was that kind of a that's the feel I get from when when I listen to my parents talk about that. Yeah.
3: yeah. And then you obviously um, had did you start in mid like obviously Johnny and the Manice gave you a go on sprint cars and whatnot, but for your own family operation, as you were saying downstairs, and we'll get into know each other a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Did you start it in the midgets? Is that the first like family operation privateer? Top of thing or not really? Um,
0: not no, not really. What happened was I I got to a point where I went. I don't have money. Yeah, my family doesn't have money, and and you really I, want to go racing? I, I I to be honest, I gave up on the dream.
3: Yeah, okay. I
0: I, pu- I pulled the plug. I said I'm not going to be a racer. So I'm going to be a really good mechanic.
3: Yeah, and what age was this?
0: And I was I don't know twenty one ish around around that sort of age. Yeah, you know when you think about it, what a stupid thing to do to give up so early, but what I was looking for was something to be successful at that was going to drive me because I've never been the sort of person to do anything by half measures. And if, if I was going to go and go racing, I wasn't going to putt around at the back of the field with half the motor of everybody else and half the gear. And then, yeah, I'm you just kidding. didn't want to I'm be kidding. a field filler. No, I'd be kidding myself. Right? And you just yeah.
1: start thinking in your head. I oh, know i do this through careers. You start wondering about, well, how's that going to pay for this, and where's this going to put this? And then the money always sits in everyone's head because you've got to live. So it's that constant. That's another driving factor that sits there too. It has yeah. to.
0: I I I made a decision to get on with my life. I had. Um, Got married strangely mm. at a young age, yeah, I'll leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know, so I, I took on commitments, and I'm like, I'm going to make something else a success i got my I started working on my career a bit more and and uh, went, well, I can be a mechanic on these cars and learn about them, and I'm a bit of a technical person, so i I figured I could do that, and I did that for a few years, um four, five, six years. Where I was closely linked to the Madsen family. Yeah. Okay. And um, learned a lot of stuff from there, had a lot of exposure to a lot of experiences. But I was I I never quite left that desire to go race. Yeah. And or I should say it never left me. Yeah. And
3: uh, I'm shocked how long, obviously being a Speedway fan, how long Karen and Ian have still been racing in the States even. Do you know what I mean? Like they just managed to just keep that. Yeah. That, that locomotive going in a way. They,
0: they don't have anything else.
3: Yeah. They have to. Yeah, right. And – and um, Yeah, because that's actually interesting you bring that up. Compared to yourself, as you said to Brooke, you know, you have to work hard to literally just race a normal show in Eastern Creek, right, where they have to – they're on that trajectory where they have to just – because you said they've got nothing else. They
0: don't have anything else. Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm not close to them guys now. I mean, we we'll say hello and stuff like that, but I, I certainly don't. I mean, there was a point there where I was like a brother, you know. Yeah. I was like the other family member at one point, but it, it's it, it's not like that anymore. But um, those guys have to race; they don't they don't have trades, careers, anything. I mean, I mean, Kerry, if he doesn't, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to speak for him, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure he's got lots of nice connections now after many years in yeah. the sport that he could move into. Being you know, like a, like a team manager role or yeah, something, or crew chief, or, or or working for one of the supply companies as a, a an advocate of their product and things like that. So, kind of like,
3: like what the dummies do, but to a lesser extent, or something yeah, like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, they fund their own stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: They've, they've, you know, Max has made that himself. Yeah. Um, lots of connections. I'm sure there's lots of help along the way, but um, he makes a living out of that to fund their racing to a point. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the Madsons are just different. They've relied on rides. But, okay. But it's it's tough now. Even in America, you don't just walk out and get a ride. I mean, we've seen how how easy it is to lose a ride. We all watch it. If we watch it in the media and, and, and so forth. Because um,
3: mm. like McFadden loses, like a lot of the boys in the world of
0: Outlaws yeah. drop out of rides all the time. Yeah. Look at Brooke Tatnell. Yeah. I mean, that guy's still a hell of a racer, right? He hasn't had a really good ride for five years in the US.
3: Yeah. What do you reckon he was, his dipping point was though? Because as you said, he was, uh, I think it was mid to 2013, 14, I think he was at his peak essentially with a good ride. What, what do you reckon was his downfall in the US though? Because it's completely different racing, you know what I mean? Because you've done both.
0: I haven't done a lot of US. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had the odd da- a couple of dabbles, but I, I've been over there and travelled a bit, been around it, um, know a few people around it. I don't know, I think there's a couple of things. One is the desire to travel because you are on the road all the time with that with that sport and um the other thing is timing timing you know if if there's if there's fifty rides available and you happen to lose your ride and nothing's available, you've forgotten yeah and kind and if you kind don't of pick like the them,
3: Ricardo thing
0: at the moment, yeah it actually is it's a lot like that, except yeah. the Ricardo thing's obviously a much smaller, tighter pack, yeah. Um, sprint Car Racing's had a, had a broader pack, but you get used to racing at a certain level, mm. Well those guys do. I'm, trust me, they're well above where I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they, they get used to racing at a level. They've got a certain level. They've got a good mechanic. They've got great cars. They've got great engines. They've got this, this itinerary of stuff to support them, and then, what, they're going to go and run for the local guy with one motor and a, yeah. a couple of spare wheels and tires? Yeah. And they say, no, 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 that's not me. All right? And and in their heart of hearts, they want to go and race. I can tell you, these guys are racers.
1: It's like any athlete, you don't want to drop from a certain level. We even were discussing about Ricardo, Dan and I, the other day. And when I was talking about, ha- you know, has wanting him over there, Gunther and that. But like Dan said, you don't really want to dip out of F1 for any time. So he should just take the seat and not even leave the year. So it's a hard place to be in. But it's like you said, you don't want to drop from this A grade game down. It's a it's a different level for them at that when which, they're there.
3: Which is what I felt like Brooke Brooke's done in a way for it, which is why he's still there. But the thing is now he's at that certain level in the certain Shazian car. Do you know what I mean?
0: Well he he's just he, I think Brooke now has become more family.
3: Yeah.
0: Right. He's really he's really involved in his kids, you know, his daughter with the horses, his son with the go-kart and 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 his wife's health and things like that. And, you know, good on him. Good on him for making that transition from being Let's be honest, we're all selfish racers, yeah. yeah. right? <laughs> right? Brooke has to deal with it every time I go out. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, Gets to so the point that.
1: where you stand there and go, oh, I want to go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well,
0: but I, 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 when, when I first met my partner now, I mean, yeah. we've been together about 17 years yeah. and she's like, oh, I'm going to be there every week. I think she's been three or four times in the last four years, (laughs) something like that. So it's like, yeah, nah.
1: (laughs) Is she um, ever been behind the wheel of a race car of any kind?
0: We've put her in the two seater at Parramatta. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and sent her on her way. <laughs> yeah, this is the triple M one or before that. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe the triple M one. Yeah, did yeah. you get to drive her? No, nah, yeah. I never oh, drove it. Okay, I, I that did. would have been cool though. I, it, well, yeah, it would have been, but I never got. I never got the opportunity. Sometimes you've got to be in the in crowd, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But now we put her in it and uh, sent her. It was a tire power car.
3: Oh, okay. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: a tire power car. So. um uh, we, we we sent her on away and she comes back in. you can see her eyes are scrambled, you know yeah, how do you do this? I couldn't tell if I was up down sideways or what was going on?
1: <laughs> That's exactly how I feel when I watch Feways. It's a dance so I can understand what she's feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I asked that of uh, other drivers we've had on in Speedway. I'm like, how do you stay focused like when you're out there? like how do you stay focused going around? Do you have a special thing that you do or you just go with it?
0: I don't know what I do. yeah I, I just I just go with it. I mean, uh, there are certain tactics that I try to change. You know, you'll hear somebody say, oh, I do this, and you go, well, I've not thought about that. I might, you know, try something. Mm. But um, most of the time I think I, I really feel like I live on my peripheral vision, not my focus vision. So what's going on around me is what I tend to live on. Yeah. And and I don't know, your instinct takes over. You, you're not quite timing. You, you're feeling it. I, I always say to drive these race cars. And, and again, I'm not. I'm not one of the best. I'm just. Mm. I'm okay at it. Right? Oh
3: come on! Why did you finish top three last last weekend? Nah, fourth, fourth, fourth. fourth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn that podium! <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you know, you feel the car. Yeah. I, I don't feel like you don't drive the car. You feel the car. Yeah. And you you feel a tire slip or you feel the body roll of the chassis or something like that, and you you're counteracting that to. For what your knowledge is to go as fast as you can, and um, there are times when you are going into a corner, and your brain is saying lift, 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 and you're you're telling yourself somewhere some other way you're telling yourself no, you're not going to lift. <laughs> you know, you keep that foot on the floor, buddy, or, or we're not going anywhere.
3: <laughs> yeah, I tell that with Brooke all the time because Brooke's like, how did because. You know, with road cars, they have problems and stuff like that. She's like, "How do you know that something's wrong with the car?" I said, "Through my ass." Like that's yeah. literally yeah. the way. That's the literally the way we feel it. You yeah, know I mean? it is. It yeah. is absolutely. But some nights, obviously, um, I was I've learned through Toby with his massive sprinter hub thing going on. Um, the track changes. You know, per is it per race that it would change or every couple of
0: races where it changes? Every every time you go out there, it's different. Yeah. Okay. And and then you got to factor in some promoters like to mess with it. Oh, really? Others like to leave it alone. You know, some like a sprinkle of water, and then they'll grate it, or they'll chop it, or they'll do something. So that's what I love about sprint cars. Well, dirt racing as yeah.
3: well. Yeah. Oh, so you like the the kind of spontaneous time you go on the track because you don't know what's going to be out there.
0: I can't. I can't go there on Thursday and spend a million dollars practicing. Yeah. Going through twenty sets of tires to find one point oh one of a second. Yeah. Right. Uh, I can go out in qualifying and you know be a say a 12 flat and i go out in the heat race and i could still be the fastest car on the track but i'm a 13-0 instead of a twelve o. yeah right because the track has shifted and changed and what you've got to try and do is understand that type of dirt and dirt is not dirt it all changes and some keeps moisture some lets it go some burns off and goes really hard and abrasive other just goes hard and slippery and then you got to try and apply that to some kind of engineering knowledge um, of how to, you know, what what suspension do I put in my car? What shocks? What what ride heights? Um, all those sort of combinations.
3: And the current, and, and as you were saying downstairs, you you essentially like Mark Haddad, who also came on the podcast, work on the car yourself. So you're you're literally just trying to guesstimate as you throw stuff on into the car. Really, is that what happens?
0: You are guesstimating all the time. That's all you ever do. Yeah. Um, you, you don't have notes, you know, it's, it's still you you crazy. If you don't make notes, you make notes, you turn up and you've got a bit of a baseline that you work to. And I always say you work left or right of your baseline. So if the track's going one way, you're heading down the right-hand path, track's going the other way, you're heading down the left-hand path. And, and then you, depending on how financial you are as to how deep your bag of tricks is, right? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Wow. I find that interesting because, before you just said that, then the, the promoters how they're changing the surface and just the way they like to do things.
1: Do they do that day to day on an event? They'll make the changes, or just more upfront, and then it is what it is.
0: No. At, at, so if I use last weekend as an example, mm. we we turned up and the tracks. I mean, that track at Eastern Creek at the moment is super fast. It's actually too fast. Too fast yeah, because, I said that to Brooklyn. Because you it. don't get to race. Yeah. Okay. You know? I I like to race. I think that's why I've stayed away from circuit stuff because you tend to you know, follow and focus on lap time. Yeah. Whereas with this sort of sport, you can have a bad lap and the next lap you if you work hard, you can race the guy and put him out of position or, or whatever. And it is so fast there at the moment that everybody just drops to the fastest line and follows each other. And um so we, we we qualified, I think we were eleven eight, something like that. And then our heat race time was a twelve one. So you're talking three tenths of a second difference, which is you know not not a lot really. Fuck all that. Um, that's right. That's yeah. right. And the track felt much the same. So then, then you go into your second round of heats, and the time's still there. But the track was starting to get a, a bit of a slick groove through the middle, and we were starting to creep towards the infield where there was a bit of moisture, mm. trying to keep our speed up. And then um, they pulled the grader out and timed it up.
3: Yeah, right. They just decided to, they just they decided tined, to do that. timed
0: the track up because you know, the middle groove was starting to go off and and they're all everyone's petrified about dust i I don't get it why dust is such a big problem here because i've seen plenty of other racetracks that go slick that don't go dusty and it's dirt so you know you're going to have a little bit but there's there's a real you know i think racing in city areas is what causes the bigger dust problem yeah right um, than maybe regional areas but they, they timed this track up, and what they did was they found all the moisture underneath, and they turned the feature race into a motocross track. Yeah, and that's oh, what wow. happens
3: to it. <laughs> and,
0: and then, you know, you, you're going, well, what do I do? Do I change the car again? Do I – because it was starting to go in a certain direction, the racetrack, and and you're starting to get your thought process in that direction as well for what yeah. I'm going to do with the car. And then they go and rip it up, and you go, hmm, okay, well, i Yep, wind's blowing that way. That's what I'm <laughs> going to do. Uh,
3: like you, as you were saying before, you're a more m- like mathematical co- type of athlete. So I always noticed when I watched you growing up as a kid that you would be better in like the 50 lap or, do you know what I mean? Like you would pick your mark and go, which is why I can see why well, you hate this track because it's so fast that you can't move and move forward. Do you know what I mean? I, like I, it's it's like a drag racing track at the yes, moment.
0: Yes, and I've never been a fan of drag racing, even though one of my best mates is, is quite good at it. Yeah. But um, – <laughs> You know, I I like to race. I like yeah. the challenge. I like that. Hey, you know, when when the racetrack loses two or three seconds a lap, or four seconds a lap gets slower, you actually get better racing because it's no longer just about who's who's spent more on their motor um, or who's got the best new tires. It's now about how a driver drives the circuit. It's about how the car's engineered, and and you can find your way through it and uh, and pass people. So. That's what attracted me to the sport, and that's why I like the American side of the sport just a little bit more than the Australian, because we tend to want want the racing to be clinical here. Yeah. I think. How
1: how's it different in the US in that respect?
0: Um, you get what you, you get, what you're given. Yep. And then that's how it is. Off yep. you go and race, and and the circuits tend to widen up because the drivers um, are looking for a different line. So they go searching, they go, find. oh, this one works, okay, but that one still works. And then suddenly you've got two, three, four lines, whereas here we tend to just keep it so um, bedded down as much as we can. A bit processional sometimes.
3: Stu was saying that in, in America compared to Australia, though, it's more of a show here than it is there. They, As you just said, then it feels like they just literally just go on the track and race, that's it. Like they just want the night done.
0: I, I would agree with that. Yeah. It's about the race. It's not about the show over there. And I, I think if you look at the demographic and the um, types of people, the areas where the racing is, imagine, you know, where we are in Sydney. Just, yep. um, imagine having a track in LA or yeah. New York. Like <laughs> yeah. seriously, we can't yeah. even, we can't comprehend it, yet we do. We have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? that's true. And um, they don't have that over there. Some of the biggest circuits, you know, if you go to a place like Williams Grove or Eldora or um, – you know.
3: They're all in that new sprint car game. <laughs> these these joints are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And you're just driving to the, you're literally driving for like, what, four hours till you get there to a track in it's, a way.
0: It's absolutely destinational. It's like a campground and holy cow, there's this big racetrack right in the middle, you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Can you actually touch on some of your experiences in the US? Because um, we were talking before how how you just randomly were like getting into rides. Did that happen in, in the States?
0: I, I got lucky in I've had a couple of laps in a, a couple of cars. Um, I, I've not had an American career. Please don't. No, no no, don't. no, 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 no. This is just an
3: experience topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was we an didn't experience. Talk about experience. yet. It,
0: I'd call it a bucket list. Yeah. And uh, we we met we met these, this uh, really lovely couple, lovely family, really in Missouri. Mm. And uh, Kirsten. I, I don't know how I did it, but I talked her into going on a racing trip in the US, right? Yeah. I, I think I said we'd see a couple of nice things along the way, but um, yeah. I'm not sure if you we did. You tricked her. No, 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 no I'm no, just no, kidding. No. I wouldn't do that.
1: She's like, hang on, this is another stadium?
0: I think four days at Knoxville kind of tested her a little bit. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's back to back. To, is it the Nationals? That you? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, that was a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> (laughs)
3: That kind of reminds me when I took Brooke to Bathurst, she's like, holy shit, it's full on there. Like, it doesn't stop. But that was different because
1: we were working as well. Yeah, that's where we were working. Right. Right, right. It's
3: the same type of feeling. But anyway, go back to your your trip.
0: Yeah, so we are on this trip and we were in a a real fun racetrack, um, I-55. Yeah. And uh, and it was a two-night show. I, I just finished having a chat with James McFadden, actually, and- And next thing you know, you can see the storm clouds rolling over and then down it comes. So we're hiding under Casey Kane's trailer because it just literally bucketed down and and our car's, you know, half a kilometre away somewhere. And um, so we're hiding under the gooseneck of his trailer and the door of the trailer next to it was open and there's these people inside going, come on, come on, come in, come in, come in. <laughs> yeah. So we ran in, it was a local guy. He just runs local around a couple of different tracks and, and uh, we, we struck up a friendship and then with social media now, you, know, you can stay in touch with yeah. these people. Yeah. Really easy and build a relationship. And uh, he started following my race and I follow his race and, 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 um, and then he reaches out one day out of the blue you know, and 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 Corey's his name. Yeah. And and Corey goes, come over and drive my car. Nah, nah, man. You know, hey, <laughs> you're thinking he's, he's taking the shit. So I like, did. I thought yeah. he was taking the piss. I yeah. really did. Uh, he he's he's not a big funded guy or anything like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, it, he he's envious of some of my equipment. To be fair, yeah, sometimes. right. Okay. And, and I'm going. Well, I'd love to just have a race in America, but. I'm thinking. I'm gonna do. Have a think about it. Go away. <laughs> it's like a and long really exercise. Yeah. Have a think about this because anyway, long story short, I went over there and I raced and yeah. um, and uh, we went to a, There's a place called St. Francis County Speedway, uh, in Missouri, which is well known weekly 410 racing. Yep. And um, went there and and so what championship
3: was this in that you randomly. Went over to do because I mean, was, it, was it with the World of Outlaws or was it just like club shows? Nah, it, was
0: club, it was basically club show. Yeah. Right? okay. So so we go and watch big things like World of Outlaws, but this was basically a club show. Yeah. But a pretty strong, strong field of 410 races for, you know, regional races. Yeah. And, and, um, how
3: many were turning up when you went over there though to, to the, was there 40 cars or less? 30,
0: okay. maybe 35 cars on the night. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Something so it was like that. a
3: general club show. Yeah. But you got that experience of racing in America regardless. Like, yeah. I would do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I'll tell you, there's there's a real big difference between racing in Australia and racing in America. So when you, when you race in Australia, you go and get your photos, you fill out your license, you do it in triplicate, you send it in, you pay your $1,000, you you wait a week for your special license card. You turn up at the racetrack and they want to scrutinise everything. They check all your safety equipment, and and you got to sign on the dotted line and you cover all this stuff off and you pay and pay and pay and pay. And when you go racing in America, they say, "Who are you? I'm Warren. Okay, you're in the first heat. Get in your car, go."
3: <laughs> what? They didn't even check your license or they didn't even check you could. What license? Yeah, right. Wow, so you could just That's literally hilarious. come from, you could literally come out of the crowd and fucking hop in a race car. Absolutely.
0: If you could go and buy a race car, you can turn up next week and you can drive the damn thing.
1: Mad. Look at Dan's face. He's like, shit, we need to get on a plane I, tomorrow. Look, yeah. we're, we're
0: moving. We're going to move. I didn't even get to the driver's meeting. Really? And you still just jumped in the heat.
1: That's right.
0: Wow.
3: Holy Hang
1: shit. On, how's that? Then the, there's the other extreme, though. How's their like their safety in terms of this? Are they like, is, is, or is this just like, you know, whatever?
0: Their safety is not, I, I, I think our safety here has actually slipped. Can I say that? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah you can say I think all this BS around, oh, I've got to have an ambulance, or no, we'll have a paramedic, mm. or we'll have a medic. Or I think we're lowering the standard, okay. yet, yet the expectation is we're raising the standard, but we're not. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. And 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 you know, there's different reasons for that. That's not to blame anybody. Yep. Um, that's that's about saying I think the standard of safety that way is has slipped a little. I think the quality of the facilities here, we actually worry about what the catch fence is like. So that side of it, I think, is very good. Mm. Um, the the um, in America, as long as there's some kind of a fence and everybody thinks they feel safe. Right, let's go hit the green flag. Um, Isn't
3: there that one track in the states that oh I remember playing it on a racing game where it, it just goes off a hill. It doesn't. Ha- it felt. Uh, I swear there's that one. track. You're probably tra- thinking of Lernerville.
0: That's uh, it. Lernerville, yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That's my favourite track on the game. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah Learnerville's got an interesting back straight. I've never raced. I've been there, but never yeah. raced there. Um, but, like
3: I thought that was dangerous. You're racing in a 410, and you make one slip, and you tumble down that hill. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like
0: I, I, I one of my uh, years ago when I, I was. I got hooked up with the Madsons and hooked up with the Gary Stanton Mopar sprint car. Yeah. And uh, I was a shooter guy. You know, I was really there for a holiday and they needed some help and I wanted to be part of it. So, you know, just hung around. And uh, we raced at a place in Michigan and I can't think of the name of it right now. But um, the back straight about, I don't know, 10 meters maybe from the racing surface. Yeah. was Cornfields. And we're talking corn stalks that are, you know, two, two metres yeah. tall.
3: Yeah, right. right, where they make chips and corn out of it pretty much Wow.
0: There's, a, there's only corn in the yeah. Midwest, right? yeah. <laughs> but, um, But, yeah, anyway, these cars got into a bit of a, a hiccup. Yeah. And you can see this wing flying through the cornfield. He's just mowing down the corn stalks oh trying God. to find his way back out of there. In yeah. the sprint car. In a sprint car.
1: I'd be what? worried about like some snake shooting <laughs> out at you or It was something. crazy.
0: And this was an outlaw show, actually. Really? This was an outlaw show. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit.
3: In America, they don't give a shit. I mean, I mean, don't it. get me
0: wrong, that's that's a few years back now. Yeah. But but it's pretty funny watching a wing cut through yes. a cornfield. <laughs> Holy
3: shit. Can you, but Did you also, as you said, you were spending time in America and stuff like that. Did you like mechanic and work on cars like the Madsons and the Faris and all that type of thing back then? Or
0: So I, I, I worked on Kerry's car with Kerry a lot um, when, when I was in the US and I, I worked with that. I mean, that was a link through Kerry. You know, I, I, I have got a lot. To be grateful for for that family for introducing me to certain things. Yeah, but um, I, then I reached a point where I, I just had to do my own stuff. I had to make it my own way. You can't live on people's coattails forever, and and sometimes they don't want you on their coattails either. So I learned to engineer my own my own cars. I, I raced for a guy out here for a few years called Ivan Palmer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Ivan, that was the the nineteen. 19 car in Sydney. Yep. Which, you know, 19 has become famous for a lot of other reasons. And, mm. and, uh, I raced that for four years with Ivan. That was a, a car that was formerly driven by engine builder Ivan Walker. Okay. And I had a relationship with Ivan Walker, you know, where I knew him and he helped me with my midget engines and things like that. Yeah. And got into this sprint car and I think we won our first. Show that we because we couldn't we couldn't qualify for the shows the first couple of shows you had to prove that you could actually drive a car yeah back to that oh safe, my, yeah. safety in Australia right yeah unlike yeah. America you just turn <laughs> up and go yeah. um and then once they said right you can qualify for the event we went out and won the feature that night
3: yeah right wow and,
0: and so we knew you know I could drive and the car was good and that sort of thing so I ran for Ivan for a couple of years we won a couple of races. And um, is it true you put Kevin Burton into retirement? Because he said
3: that. I believe I did. You did? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, he's got to be one of the nicest dudes I've
0: ever met. He's a top guy, Kevin. (laughs) Nah, love him. Love him.
3: How did that deal come about? Were you just helping on his car as well? And he just said, oh, you know what? No. Was have a crack? No.
0: uh, I was driving for Ivan Palmer at the time. Yeah. And we were running second in points to uh, Robbie, Robbie Farr. And we had a still had a legitimate chance of winning the championship. Yep, and um, it was going to take a bit of a haul, but but we had a chance.
3: This is track championship,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, track, track or Sydney gym. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was track. Um, and uh, we blew our motor. Yeah, right. And I'm like, and we had a good spread on the guys behind us. I'm like, maybe I don't know, and and I know I knew the crafts. Kevy was driving a car out of the crafts that were at the crafts workshop, and Kev says to me, why don't you drive my car? I can't, I can't afford if if I crash it, I can't afford to fix it, Kev. Yeah. So he goes, We'll figure it out, mate. <laughs> that sounds like you. <laughs> we'll him. figure it out. Yeah. And I'm going, are you sure? He's like, yeah, 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 we'll figure it out. Yeah. So two days later, I'm down at Crafts Workshop tuning the car to what I wanted and changing the shit and yeah, whatever else. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we went and raced. I, I I think the first night we ran the car was the state title. And we went out, I think we qualified, went out in the heat race, we are leading the heat race, we ran out of fuel. Oh, no. So what happened was we had a bit of his crew, a bit of my crew, and uh, they thought they did it and they thought they did it. It's no one's fault yeah. because yeah. we just shoehorned this thing together, right? Yeah. Yep. And, um, and everybody was a bit embarrassed. And anyway, we, we put it in the show. We put it in the show and we drove from the rear up to sixth place.
3: Yeah, right. Did you, did you win the track championship that year or,
0: or just? No. No. Nah. I think um, – because the last – what happened was I did a couple of shows with Kev and he said, we'll do a couple of shows and we'll see what, see how I'm feeling. Yeah. Because I think Kev wanted to figure out if he wanted to keep racing or not. Yeah. And if he put someone in his car and he didn't have any emotion about that, then it was time to get out. Yeah. And he didn't have any emotion. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, I want one last race before I hang up the helmet. Yeah and so i didn't run the last race so i dropped a full night of points oh okay and yeah. i think we ended up fourth in the end which was a bit of a shame but mm-hmm. third or fourth but but nonetheless i how lucky yeah oh 100% yeah. you know yeah. you, you can't look at that as a bad moment that's such a, a, a great moment and um,
3: you'd be grateful for that though like him legit giving you all that equipment and yeah. Yeah, how old were you back then when you when that happened
0: i was maybe 30 Two
3: thirty-three, something like
2: that.
3: Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Yeah, Older I'm me. old now. <laughs> yeah, well, we're all feeling a bit old now, <laughs> especially after COVID. COVID literally feels like you've added two two years to your life of just stress in a way.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah,
3: yeah. I've got to ask. Back away from the track. Um, how did your parents meet? Do you actually know any of that story? Is your dad or your mum told you that?
0: Uh, I think they met. I think my uh, my mum's dad had a, a petrol station at Concord. Okay. And I think dad and his brothers and that used to go through there and get their gas. And, and I think the connection happened, something like that. I, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm not hundred percent. I think there might've also been a couple of mutual friends that kind of helped pull that together as well. But yeah. 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 yeah right. Something, something of that nature. Yeah.
3: And how did you meet your current partner? The internet. The internet. Oh, well, that's <laughs> how Brooke and I met. So yeah,
1: there's so nothing wrong we with that. We went on the Hinge app. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> we, well, well, we did it 17 years ago, but.
3: Oh, okay. So <laughs> this is like the first early. early we were
0: Trailblazers, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's like where you guys on? Oh, uh, wow. A match, I think it was. Oh, or something? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah, it was so early days, days yeah. really early. I look, it's a funny story. We laugh about it. We didn't tell people for a long time. Because yeah. Yep. What? How, hang on! No, you know you don't do yeah. that. Yeah. But um, now we, we don't we think it's funny. But it, it, she uh, she's a my, I shouldn't say she Kirsten. Mm. She's a traveller. Yeah. Been to eighty countries. Oh, in wow. the world. Like, Holy like,
3: shit! Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Actually. Yeah,
0: that's that's the stories. You know, um, travelled to Bosnia, you know, post war to yep. see what it was like, and and places that aren't aren't necessarily so- on. On the tourist agenda, you know. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Wow. Like, so she did she witness like the West Germany type of the Berlin Wall type of um, stuff
0: back I, then. I don't know if she witnessed that sort of stuff, but she's yeah. definitely been to Germany and and uh, Poland and you know looked at the war stuff and all that. And then um, she's she's opened my eyes to a lot of travel. Yeah. Uh, I think I've been to two countries when I met her, and I've now been to twenty five. Yeah, right. That's so, cool, yeah. So, you know, it really opened me up and, and made me not just think about race cars. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Race cars in other countries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Um, but, no, we, we, she'd moved to Australia. Her mum was uh, not well, I think, at the time and um, she, because she was living in, in Europe mm-hmm. and that's so easy to travel from there and move back to this part of the world because she's a, a Kiwi and, and then decided Sydney was close to home but not home and a big city like she'd been living in, in Europe. And um, some friends basically dared her to go on a dating site. Yeah, right. And me, I, I'd been out of a relationship for a couple of years and I was just hanging out with the mates. You know, you go to the bars and you just – and I was just being over. I went, oh, yeah, I'll give this a go and yeah. gave up. Didn't yeah. worry about it. I mean, that's ah, all crap, I'm not even gonna worry about that. And then one night, yeah, had a few drinks, come back home. Oh, I'll have a look. That's the kind of girl I want to meet. Yeah. <laughs> so of course they tempt you to joining again. Yeah. yeah.
3: And she responded. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> How's that's that cool? Wow. So so yeah. And you literally you are literally the trailblazer though, because that was like back back in the day when there was none of this flicking and do you know what I mean? Like did
0: we have smartphones then? I don't think we did. No. What, what year are we talking? What year are we talking? Oh, um, now you put me on it. 2000s. Early 2000s. Maybe 04, no. 05, yeah, the- something like that. No. Yeah, that
1: was only just starting because I was going to say, in oh, God, even in 08, I was. I remember being in Japan and we were still on just the Nokias and that. That was only just coming in. I remember people showing us the Apple smartphones overseas and stuff like that. You yeah. know what?
0: It was it was pre-smartphone because, yep. because about – uh, 18 months after we started seeing one another, I got a blackberry.
1: Ah. and yeah, I'm yeah. like,
0: my, my boss at the time says to me, Oh, we're going to get you a blackberry. Blah blah blah. Is like, a blackberry, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, yeah. Anyway, so and, and Kirsten's been in uh, finance, in banking, and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, yeah, all the guys at work, they've got these blackberries, and they Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's. It's funny how you can define it by a smartphone era. Yeah, different times of different
1: places you've been. You're like, hang on, I remember that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do
3: you have any travelling stories with the EFs, like Johnny and all that? <laughs>
0: um, look, like I, Easter I,
3: Trail, like when when it was like, you know what I mean, like the big the big races to those big races or anything.
0: I I cut my teeth with those guys, and we'd always go and race Newcastle, and and of course, young uh, John Junior with the truck sales. Yep. Each week we had a different truck. I think. To no, the tra- let's get this one off the lot this will be a great hauler so we got that one for a few weeks I sold it yeah no, let's get this one. Oh, I sold it you know yeah and and there was one year he he bought a trailer yeah and he got a, a, a F3 250 350 I don't even know what it was it was an yeah. old f100 I, I look at it like a farm truck right yeah and uh, but it had the had the big v8 engine in it and um he said we're going to do the Easter Trail beauty i'm there yeah. i'm up for it you know let's go and uh so john was racing himself john john junior was racing himself okay yep. yep yep and i was working on the team and um i mean the, he he went and bought a car mm. that we could take to travel around like i remember it was an xf falcon yeah okay gives you an idea of the time what's, yeah, what's yeah. that late 80s yeah Right. yeah and it was a manual. And I I didn't even have a lot. I didn't know how to drive a manual at the time. I think I was still I was about 17 or 18 or something like this. Yeah. And uh so we did a crash course the week before we were about to go on a thousand kilometer road trip so that I could drive a manual. <laughs> <laughs> and and um we start we head off, you know, the old effie makes its way. We did Avalon. They said, Oh, truck was a bit rough, you know. Mm. And, okay, we'll we we will Get to the place where we're staying and uh, we raced Avalon. We got to the place. And said, yeah, the truck's not real good. Mm. They got two hours up the road from the place we were staying heading to Gambia. Yeah. It was okay. the next night. Yeah. And uh, which is a bit of a haul. Yeah. And uh blows the motor in the truck.
3: Yeah, right. This, With all the this, stuff in the back. Yeah, we've got the semi-trailer.
0: It's yeah. not the semi-trailer. The, the trailer behind it, the sprint car and everything, we blow the motor in the hauler. Yeah. So who do we know? People pull over, checking out and- um Anyway, they find somebody uh, and a guy called Gary Warren from Warrnambool. I don't think Gary's with us anymore. His son races uh, sometimes. And um, Gary got his truck, drove from Warrnambool back to Avalon, hitched their trailer up and then towed it all the way out to Gambia. And um, meanwhile, we left two of the crew back wherever the truck was to rebuild the motor.
3: Yeah, right.
0: So they went down to the local parts shop and they're buying head gaskets and all these other things and taking the heads off and rebuilding the engine. Yeah, right. And Holy um shit. so they got that together. We went and raced uh Mount Gambia mm. and um we I think we missed the heats. So we turned up and ran the B main because we were late because yeah. of all the mucking around. Uh but we got to see it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to see it. That's yeah. about all we did, and and, uh, and then we went back to Warrnambool. Yeah, with Gary, and Gary's at Warrnambool. So the idea was our our original truck would meet them at Warrnambool. Yep. Well, it got as far as Warrnambool. <laughs> <laughs> and it blew up
1: so, again so
3: you're literally just having truck blow up after block yep
0: <laughs> oh my so god so Gary got us back we get back to Warrnambool we race Warrnambool and we had this John's coming in he's out on the racetrack and, and you know John he, he was still learning his way right yep and he's going the damn thing wants to turn right into the fence Yeah. And we're going. It can't. It's got so much stagger on this car, John. There's no way. Yeah. You, this thing will be turning right. And he's going. I'm telling you, it's turning right. It's turning yeah. right. And we're almost arguing with each you know, yeah, the, the Team, yeah, yeah. you know, because we couldn't. We we didn't know. We didn't know shit from clay, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and uh, anyhow, we couldn't get the right rear wheel off. Oh, what? Well, what's going on here? And we got big long breaker bars and all kinds of stuff. We couldn't get the wheel off. Well, what it did. It sheared all because before you used to have uh, splined axles, mm. you had your six drive studs, like almost like a normal car, right? Well, it sheared all the drive studs off, and and because it's a single nut assembly, yeah, the wheel would rotate less than the axle was, so the left rear is driving. I, I, who knows what it was. But let's say, say the left rear is driving at, you know, 5,000 RPM and the right rear is driving at 2,000 RPM. Yeah. So it's trying to screw the thing right into the fence. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit.
1: So he was right. <laughs> he, he, he was right, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, right. So that was a big learning curve. Yeah. And uh, we eventually got the wheel off and realised what had happened and uh, figured out we didn't have a truck again.
3: Yeah. So it was <laughs> so- just a massive shit show that whole time. Like, like weeks. So, man. so you,
0: at the start, <laughs> the
3: you were learning week. to drive a manual car. Yep. Then you had like what two or three? It feels like two or three trucks broke down in between
0: that. The same truck we we blew it up, fixed it, then blew it up again. Yep. We borrowed a truck. It got better though. The truck yeah. got better.
2: Yeah. Keep going.
3: <laughs> oh, let's go. <laughs> we, we,
0: we went to uh, we went to Bendigo. Was the last night on on the tour that year. Yep. And we're like, right. So everything sorted. Gary Warren, you know, bless him. He he took us to Bendigo, but he said that's it. You know, I got to go back to Warrnambool, You got to hire us something to tow it home. No problem. We get to Bendigo, and the trailer hitch is hanging on by a thread on the trailer.
3: <sighs> Far out. <laughs>
0: we're, going, we're we're looking at it, and and you know, yeah, you got all your U bolts and everything, and they're all everything's welded up. Well, this hitch is like hanging on by nothing. Yeah, and. Um, so we're up to the, to the announcers. We're yeah. at the racetrack. We go to the announcers like, anybody in town and a trailer shop that might be here at the racetrack? <laughs>
1: yeah. We need yeah. help. And
0: of course, there's someone because regional areas, you yeah. know. Yeah. Everybody goes to Speedway or, or whatever the event is and yeah. someone in town, so he goes to his shop, opens up, gets the trailer hitched. So not only are we racing the car, but we're repairing the trailer during the night as well. <laughs> yeah. So you're
3: doing two things at once. Yeah. Holy shit, you guys must have been exhausted though. That trip oh, just feels we, like non-stop, no sleeping at all.
0: You know what happens when you're 18 or 19? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can do anything. Yeah, yeah.
1: You yeah. can just go through till like when the sun's coming back and you're like, you're fine. Whereas now you go past like, you know what, 10, 11, you're like, oh my God, my whole next day's ruined.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I know when I try to do it now, I go, oh, well, what'd you do that for?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, were, you were saying on back to the American thing, you, your time with the Mopar boys with Joey Saldana, did you have any like trips with him in america and stuff like that
0: yeah so we we you know i spent about in total it was about six weeks that i as i say i was pseudo on the road with them pseudo not mm. i I, uh, I had a loaner car um and we we sort of traveled in unison with the team and then i'd go off and do a couple of little touristy things and then meet back up with the team like there was one point we we're in pennsylvania and they were going to drive back to knoxville iowa which is like halfway away. across Australia yep. for a one night show that had been rained out earlier in the year, and then come back out to Pennsylvania or something. Yeah, right. It was, it was stupid, and all the teams obviously didn't like it. But I went. Well, I'm going to stay out here, and yeah, you know, I went to Niagara Falls for a look. Right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on the scenic route anyway. You're like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just yeah. go. Let's just Pretty come. And, yeah. and
0: I wasn't. And I wasn't. I wasn't a team member. Although you know, I built cars back at Gary Stanton's shop with them. We stayed at the shop for a week. They were kind enough to to put us up there for a week, and um, so I I earned my keep. There's no no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. And Grooving Tires, you always Grooving Tires. Um, That year, Joey ran second at the historical big one. So it was a massive show at Eldora. Uh, I did the Pennsylvania swing with them, Williams Grove and um, Hagerstown. Grandview yeah you know, some some pretty cool race tracks and um, i I got to know Joey mm-hmm. but I never really formed a big relationship yeah. or anything like that and and uh, I was thinking more about coming home and trying to race myself because that particular year I was coming back here to run midgets and i I didn't know where that was going to take me and and um, so I come back here and I was buying parts while I was over there at the same time to get my midget deal going. But as you can probably tell, I was a, I was a sprint car guy yeah. who could afford a midget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So being on the road with, road with them was cool. There's some neat guys around it. You got to meet a lot of people. And, um, I, I, never forget old Joe Saldana, Joey's, Joey's dad. We were, I don't remember where we were actually. Anyway, he comes up to me and he goes, can, can, can I use your car? I'm, yeah, he goes, come for a run with me. I need to go down the road. I'm, yeah, okay, no worries. We'll go down the road. Yeah. He, and we're in the car and driving along. He goes, I've got to do a bit of debt collecting.
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Boy, oh, shit, what are we doing
0: here? Yeah. <laughs> so we, I'm going down the road with old Joe Saldana and we pull up at this guy's race shop. Yep. And he goes, just wait here. If you hear anything, come in. If you don't, you know, I'll be I'll be back in about 15 minutes. And yeah. He walks in and, okay, wait Joe walks out with three right rear rims. Yeah, got one under his arm, one in each hand, and he's struggling them out. He goes, can we chuck these in the back seat? Yeah. He goes, all right, debt solved.
3: <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. What's happened to Joey, by the way? Because he's kind of gone off the map. I remember him racing for the Belt Bowens for a brief period, and then there's nothing really happened after. Did, you just, did he just retire? or?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we're talking about with Brooke, his yeah. level of rides. Yeah. I, I think. Joey was in in that situation, and uh, and his family coming up. Yeah, you know, okay. you know, it's I don't know how these guys do it. I mean, I, if I race in Sydney, most of my racing has been within half an hour of my house. These guys are driving twenty hours to race meetings and and traveling one to the next and next and next and dragging families along in motorhomes. And, you know, I, I give them credit for the lifestyle and the way they have to lead it and, and bring their kids up. Um, and, and Joey, I think, you know, he had a couple of injuries if I remember and the the ride levels weren't quite there and uh, kids were growing up. I think one of his, one of his kids now might be racing micros or something like that. Yeah, I, I think okay. I've seen something like that around. So, and they also start to think about, like we were talking before about the Madsons,
2: mm.
0: when I'm 40 or 50, mm. what am I going to do? I'm yeah. going to make an income and I can't do this forever. I, 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 as a person, I'm the opposite. I went and got my income and learned how to fund my racing. And for me, if racing's too expensive, then I, I do my job, right? And, and that's, that's the priority. For those guys, racing was their job. Is their job. Without it, there's there's not an income. So I I I've seen you know they had welding businesses and the fuel cell business and stuff like that. So I'm, yeah, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of all that, but I think they've they've got themselves some business. I think they do oil tanks and radiators and stuff like that now. Yeah, and I know from my my journey there back then, um Joe Senior was a bit savvy with. Building industrial units and having industrial units. Okay. Because um, uh, the stealth business used to run out of their industrial units. But, um, yeah, look, I think you you can't do it forever.
3: No. No, you can't do it forever. Talking of forever, but you were racing with Johnny and you had that whole – Incident happened with the Easter Trail and whatnot. Um, Ashton has recently gone into sprint cars, and then you've got Lachlan, the other son, that's gone into TCR. Have you actually kept an eye on young Ashton, how he's just hopped into it? Like, yeah, well, on the sprint car side.
0: I've never lost track with the Money family. I've always been, whether it's Justin, who was racing sprint cars himself and yep. won a few, few races, and John, John Sr., you know, th- these are lifelong friends basically of mine now. We don't see each other every week or every day, but when you know when you see him, it's like, it's like you've always months. seen him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Time's
1: gone past. Yeah. And, yep.
0: and um, uh, John Junior told me Ashton was putting together the best, uh, what, what you know, like eye racing type thing that you've ever seen. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, yeah. yeah, he's gonna race. He's gonna race. Yeah. And and Lachlan's off with the the TCR, TCR stuff. Yeah. And uh, and doing quite well for himself you know yeah. um and then uh john rings me up out of the blue i don't know four or five months ago mm. you got a motor for sale <laughs> <laughs> i need yeah. a motor yeah so anyway we we sorted something out so i actually you know sold them a motor to put into ashton's car yep so i i'm watching where he goes right now quite closely because i want to make sure what i've sold them works well yeah and and i want to make sure he understands it and um and they learn from it so uh So after the actually after the feature race the other week, two of the first two people over to see me were Ashton and Lachlan. uh, Lachlan.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah. What do you know? Why Lachlan chose different to because you know I mean the whole family's in Speedway and then he's gone the whole TCR route. You know I raced him in Formula Ford. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I just find it intriguing. I mean I'll eventually get them both on the show, but from your aspect, you're like, why doesn't the both boys race or is it just? John just lets lets them do whatever they want. And yeah, I don't know. So.
0: I, I I actually don't know the answer to that. I think yeah. you know, whatever tickles one rather than the other. Yeah. But um, you can actually, you got to be good. Don't get me wrong. But I think you can make a career on the blacktop. Yeah. Whereas you're never going to make a career in the dirt.
3: Yeah. I oh, see. I've heard different and all well, from multiple sources that in America you can earn money, though in earn you can earn purses but here in australia especially okay especially in australia in tar stuff there's like three supercar drivers that make make bank and right. the rest just pay their way onto the track
0: or sponsors pay their or way sponsors, right yeah and then how much are there I, I don't want to sound jaded or anything but you know if a sponsor gives you 100 grand yeah you put 20 in your pocket and you take 80 to the car right? so so you're getting an income somehow yeah, you know, I've seen Speedway guys do similar, similar things, right? Yeah, um, everybody has to survive. But I think in you know you talk about the US, mm. you can bank winnings, you know, a yeah. percentage of win and all that sort of stuff. But um, if you, it doesn't matter which side of the world you're on, if you look at the number of competitors and the number of people who are banking, it's a very very small percentage. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> so you better have some sort of funding to be able to.
1: How do you find sponsors in Speedway? Do you find it for yourself easy? Oh, I guess I, well, it's not easy for anyone. But do you find that there's sponsors around, or are you seeing them like when you're watching the Manise, like Lock and that, and TCR? There's more sponsors over on the tar.
0: Um, what's the sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: you're literally most of the time you're just a, a black car with orange on it. You know yeah, I
0: mean? look, we have some names on there, but they're they're family friends. Okay, and and you know. Let me not discredit them. They they tip the tin a little bit yeah. from time to time. But if I said that all my sponsors funded my my entire sponsorship funded one or two nights a season, that's mm. that's about where we're at. You know, there are other teams that do genuinely get good sponsors. They're connected with sports marketers and things like that, and 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 pick up good sponsors. But I think the sponsorship versus the cost of going racing is relative. From what I see, Blacktop is way more expensive than, oh, than what yeah, I do, right? It is. So the value that they get from a sponsor, whilst it's a lot more money, it probably goes just as far in, in their in their racing division, to be honest.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, as I was saying to you, trying to get you on the podcast ages ago, I was intrigued when I forgot what it was. It must have been like an old Sydney album thing. You were, you were talking about Homebush with your lighting or your, yes. your job. Can you actually, like, tell us about that whole experience? Like, I'm, I'm intrigued by the whole – homebush you know when they built the stadium and what was it like back then
0: it was a whole bunch of dirt yeah you know that whole area I, I remember back to when that was an abattoir in that area and um, I, I don't actually remember it being operational because my grandparents were just sort of across Parramatta Road in Lidcombe there and uh, I remember going past there and you'd see all the, the empty area as an abattoir but all the, all the cattle Cattle grids and everything else, and the, and the, all fenced off. But um, when I I got involved in that, because I've been lighting for a long time, and the company I was with was really really keen to pick up that project mm, for the and, Olympics for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, the Olympic Stadium site that yeah. that was the first the first target. And um, I being a I was a bit of a sales rep, you know, a bit technical, and I was working with a contracting firm who won the project or well, they told us they're going to win the project. And we're going, no way. These guys are, they were pretty tight on money. Yeah, <laughs> and we're like, how are they going to get this massive project? Well, long story short, they won it. And my connection with them dragged me straight in. They're like, can you guys do the lighting design? And we're like, well, yes, we can. So we assembled a team and uh, of which, you know, I was probably semi-junior, but I was the one that knew the contracting firm and um, they set up, on site and i remember you used to have to park about 2 kilometers down the road from the actual site yeah so uh, is it the archery or whatever that's way down the road yeah. past oh. the site so you used yeah. to have to drive down and park there yeah catch a bus and the bus would take you up to the front of the facility mm. and then you'd get out and then you had to get all your credentials credentials signed off and then there was a bus that used to do a lap on the dirt circuit around the stadium all day every day yeah, right. And all the workers would pile in on the buses and get dropped off of their different site sheds and, and go out into the facility. And so, if you were going to that site, you rode off the day just yeah. to, because it was such a rigmarole to, to get yourself in there. And, uh, and then, in the end, what happened was the, the contracting firm, because they're trying to do it, they're trying to make money out of it, of course. Yeah. And we're trying to make money out of it. So, some days I'd go and spend the day on site doing lighting designs in their site sheds. All the underground roadway, the, all the all the corridors, and all the bathrooms, and all the crappy yeah. areas. Yep. Well, I did the lighting design. Yeah. Right. So, if, so if the lighting's bad in those areas, <laughs> that's you.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. But um, but yeah. So we did that, and then uh, then other uh, other parts of our team, like we had some very experienced lighting engineers. They did the actual sports lighting and, and the flood lighting. And there's a funny story. One night, the contractor we. On the back of the stands, you might remember where it said ANZ or Allianz or, or no, yeah. not Allianz. I can't remember who's there now. Yeah.
3: It's gone through so many names. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: Cornell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was it a core now? A that's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's A core.
3: It's a core now. So, yeah.
0: so you know where that's written and above it, you see all the concrete steps, the underside yep. of all the steps? Yeah. Well, with the contractors, we had to break in there one night, walk up the round ramps, yeah. and mm. then drag all these floodlights out, connect into their temporary power. Yeah, the temporary I, power. Yeah, yeah, because they are still yeah, running temporary oh, power because of a construction site. Yep. Because they wanted to light up the underside of those steps so you could see the, the shadowing of the architecture. Yeah. And we're running across the top of that, which is, I don't know, three, four stories up yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of a night shining lights, yeah. all the architects and, and the engineers down on the ground going, yeah, yeah that's good, no, 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 that way, that way. <laughs> and, and then we, we had to climb the channelling fence with all of our gear and break down, break out of the place again to get Holy out of there. Holy shit. But, um, it, you know, 20 years ago to what we do now is it, so different, yet 20 years is not a long time. No. If, you wouldn't even dream of doing that now on a job site.
1: Yeah, no, all the things that have changed. Crazy. Yeah, I know, yeah. My dad even talks about because he was a tradie on the job sites and all the different, like, things he said you've got to have chained up to you now and that. And he goes, we used to just run around on roofs with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes, it wasn't great, but we did it. <laughs> well, there was
0: there was three of us there from my company. We're basically salespeople mm. running yeah. around with electrical yeah. floodlights plugged in. You know, if we blinded ourselves up there, there's no railing or anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, right. dude, but, but really, really good experience. A project of that size, is was amazing. That whole, that whole area, I was really, um, it, it was a really good thing to be part of and uh, getting into all those buildings, seeing them go from dirt to, to yeah. something. Some of, the, some of the things along the way with the stadium, they're building it and they're doing a concrete pour and because timing, the, the concrete pour was in front of the design, yeah, right. As crazy as that sounds because, you know, the the, the main structure is designed mm. but then all the fit-out pieces come in later and they design them, uh, basically overlay them on the on the main structure. The concrete pours forging ahead mm-hmm. and they go, oh, crap, we need to recess these light fittings into concrete. Oh, <laughs> well, we can't do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Holy all
0: shit. All right, change the design. What are we going to do? Different ceiling, different light fitting, different everything. You know, so you're redesigning things on the run and – um and you had to keep on this program with with the builders, which I think was uh, multiplex or something at the
3: time. Yeah, so you're chasing, pretty much you, you're chasing the ball when you're doing your design. Some,
0: sometimes, yeah. And you're yeah.
3: specifically working on Stadium Australia or whatever it's called. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So Stadium Australia. I, I also uh, had a bit to do with the showground with, I think, four or five of the buildings there in the showground.
3: Yep. This um, is in Homebush again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: And with different contractors on things like the pool and the athletic center and stuff like that. Yep, yep. yep.
0: Yeah, different. So the I'm not sure what the name of the building is, but the one that's got the round dome in the end, mm. um, uh, that was the that arena. Was, uh, yeah, is that what it is? is? It, or
1: you, I know it used to be Acer Arena, but uh, I don't yeah, feel like Acer, I oh, know. Yeah. There's one that's yeah. got
0: a round dome in the end. Anyway, that was yeah. one contractor. Yeah. The swim center was another contractor. We did we did a bit of work in there, and then the main stadium was a different contractor again. So you know, you, it, without me going into it too much, it's quite layered our industry. Mm. You, you don't just – I don't just walk up to you and sell you a light fitting. Yeah. yeah. I have to sell to you and to you and to him and to somebody else and then eventually I'll place an order with you, for example, yeah. you know, um, or get an order. So it's it's a bit of a convoluted pathway.
3: Yeah. Did you actually go to the Olympics after building all that? You didn't. I didn't go. Really? I didn't
1: give you tickets.
3: I didn't go. It didn't go at all. You weren't the, uh, temp- You just find not tempted uh, to watch I, anything I, or just-
0: I, No, actually, I, I didn't have a lot of interest in it, to be honest. I think I was burnt out. Okay. I spent so much time living and eating and breathing that sight and, and everything. And I just, I really didn't care. Um, a friend of mine at the time said he, he his partner was involved in the sailing mm. and, his, and we were doing a bit of mountain bike riding. He goes, there's a few trails around the back of the cliffs there around Taronga. And uh, he said we'll do some mountain bike riding along there, and we'll watch some of the sailing. and And his his partner was a commentator for one of the sports channels, and she. Uh, so we caught up with her during the day, and we saw a bit of the sailing. And that's the sum total of the Sydney Olympics for me. <laughs> oh, wow!
3: Holy shit! Yeah. Well, was um, we're, Warren, we're pretty much pretty much nearly at the end of this podcast, and I've got a game show that I'm bringing back. that <laughs> I'm bringing back for this episode because it's quite popular. It's called the Fast Five Was. If you've listened to past episodes, if you get five answers correct, you win an amazing prize. If you get one or two correct, you get like an average bogey prize, and it's all motorsport-based questions. And regardless, you'll be going home with a prize. So I'll just I'll start with the first question on the Fast Five. Hang on.
1: Here we go, Dan's questions. Yeah.
3: Now you should mo- you should know most of these. It's based off your. <laughs> Repertoire and your resume of what you do in life.
0: Mm-hmm. So the You're first one is: <laughs>
3: <laughs> How many World of Outlaw championships has Donnie Shots won? And as a bonus question, how many wins has he currently got? How many A Main wins has he got?
0: Uh, I think the answer to both of those is too many. <laughs> too many.
3: <laughs> Can you narrow down to how many championships he's won? How many World of Outlaw? Uh, cha- you
0: know, I'm actually just, not sure. I uh, just, just throw ch- it out championships out of maybe uh, six. Oh,
3: four off ten. 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 Oh, okay. Okay. Well, this can add to that question. Can you just throw um a number at the wall of how many A main victories he's won? And I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you like I'll give you like a like a number range. It's between two eighty and three ten. Uh two eighty and three ten. Two oh he's
0: he's won three oh one. I think oh, 301,
3: 302. Well, actually, well, yeah, well, he's gone up since then. It's 306. I will, 30, I, will, I, will, I will give you question one. There you go. Because <laughs> Donnie just keeps on winning. All right. Yeah, because I remember
0: the 300 wasn't too long ago.
3: Nah, nah and he's just kept on winning. Somewhere it. in my head,
0: I thought Steve Kinzer had won seven, but he's won 10 as well, he's hasn't won, he? Yeah. So yeah. it's
3: technically Donnie and
0: himself. Donnie and Steve with the yeah. Image. yeah. Yep.
3: And the second one is, which you probably will get this because I think you would have been racing in this event, is who was the last Sprint Car winner at Sydney Speedway?
0: Uh, that was uh, Jamie Ville. No, it was Matt Dumsney, actually. Oh, Sydney Speedway. Sorry.
3: Sorry about that. <laughs> Rook's gotten confused with that as well. Uh, yeah. Come on,
0: guys. Come yeah. on. Do yeah,
3: yeah, like more bit yeah. more specific. Yeah, I know. Parramatta Speedway, Matt Dumsney. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. I remember,
0: uh, Matt Dumsney at Parramatta. <laughs> You know what? We'll give you that one
3: because you said Jamie and It doesn't matter. We'll give you that one.
1: Sometimes I don't know what. I've seen Dan try to say some of these questions out and I'm watching him go. he's missed about three key words there.
3: (laughs) And it's cool. It's all good. It's all good. And to be be honest, Brooke and I do get confused sometimes with like obviously Parramatta and Eastern Creek and the way they named it and do you know what I mean? Like Parramatta's disappeared now, so everyone just calls Eastern Creek Sydney Speedway. Yeah. Right, right. I mean,
0: there's just, there's been one Speedway in Sydney now for 20 years. Yeah. And it's Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got
1: a Sydney Motorsport Park as well. So, you know, when we say like SMP with the tar racing, then you're next door, you're like Sydney Speedway. It just all becomes the same blur. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think there's a bit of identity loss really. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: You know. In my opinion, yeah, I reckon they should have gone with Sydney Speedway because it's all in the Sydney Motorsport facility, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway,
0: and besides, it's a lot shorter than Eastern Creek. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Um, you were talking about the Kinzers before with Steve Kinzer. Um, oh, his his son Craig raced the NASCAR Truck Series. Can you name his three NASCAR Cup Series teammates? No. Just have a just have a rant. Just throw random
0: names at it. No. I. I, I no. No, I, I have no idea. Okay, you know, I didn't even follow him when he went to the truck series. Yeah, um, right. I knew he was there, but I, I actually, I didn't really follow NASCAR until I don't know Ambrose when he went yeah, probably about then. Yeah. Okay. I
3: yeah. was going to ask that. So you, you were a fan of you were like I was interested to see if you were actually interested in tar racing yourself, and you said no because it's kind of just like a like a follow the line type of I, thing.
0: I went and I, I went and spent the money and. And did one of those drive days at Las Vegas Motor Speedway in a NASCAR. So yeah. I got to feel what it was like to drive on a super speedway at a, at a decent speed. And I think, you know, we, those cars aren't set up to go full on, but out of the group of people we were with, I was the fastest. And I went, you know, yeah, I'd get bored, I think.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, okay. Anyway, the answer to that is um, Clint Boyer, Joe Nemechek, and Denny Hamlin for anyone listening. Yeah. Uh. Clint so Boyer, there you go. my
0: missus, will be happy. She likes <laughs> old Clint. Does she like Clint Boyer? There you go. Well, Craig Kinsley. Kansas boy.
3: Yeah, there you go. Oh, is, she, is she from America or is she? No,
0: no. She's New Zealand, but the company she works for has a, a place in Kansas. In Kansas.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Okay, the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> They're a popular team. All right, another one. Well, okay. I'm doing well. You're doing yes. well. You don't, you're actually. You, you're kind of halfway there, halfway <laughs> not. You will struggle with this one, but and.
1: Oh, you, he's got another, you, if, got another NASCAR. We've got
3: another NASCAR question here, <laughs> but it's also a famous sprint car driver himself. Which NASCAR teams has Carl Larson raced for? You don't have to name them all because it's pretty hard, but. You can throw it throw Well, it he,
0: he raced for uh, Childress and he's raced for um, Hendricks now. Yep. Um, but I
3: – You mean Chip Ganassi, did, did oh, you just – Oh, sorry. Not, you, yeah, Ganassi, I know what not you meant though, Childress. So, yep, yeah, all good. Yeah. Yep, that's um, all right. But um, – Who was his other the, teams that he raced for?
0: I, I, I don't – the only other car I remember him in now, and I think back, was a, a K&N-sponsored car in the K&N series, but I don't know who owned it.
3: Uh, I think it was Turner Scott Motorsports. I think ran that car.
0: Yeah, okay. But
3: the answer, the off, I will give you that question because he actually did name a few of those. I
0: literally just named the whole thing because did, did he have a did he have a truck ride at some? He must have had a truck ride. Yeah, at some Yeah,
3: so I'm sure. So he, for people listening at home who are ever NASCAR fans and want me to get this correct, he started at Turner Scott Motorsports in the trucks, which Warren just mentioned. He then obviously raced for GMS, who was another truck team. Um, then he went to Phoenix Racing, which was in, um, between the Cup Series and. The X, Xfinity series, I think. And then he went from Phoenix to Chip Ganassi, raced for them for a bit. Um, the whole thing over lockdown, what happened, that that ended. And then he came back and finished it. He's now racing Andrew Motorsports.
0: Now you say all that, I feel like a failure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading his next question. It's like a little essay. I'm like, oh, yeah. what is this, Ollie? Oh, <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, Warren might know this because you've he, he, spoken to James McFadden recently. So when did James Mc, where did James McFanish finish in his World of Outlaws debut and who beat him across the line There's two relatable World things World of that, Outlaws debut Yes who do you remember his World of Outlaws debut and Who beat him across the line Yes that he was. did really well but who beat him like what you, what was his debut year just throw it How in. would he've
0: been in back then was that in the in the 55 m Motorsports car the orange and black one Yes yeah, it was. That was that was the car. Um, what year was it though? So, it would have
3: been. I'll give you a hint: early 2010s. Oh, sorry. Yeah, like no. After, well, after 2010. Well, he
0: was in that car when I was in the in the US, and and that was. That's why I wrote the question. Four, five, nine. <laughs> that's probably nine years ago. So it's probably somewhere around 2012, 2013. Correct.
3: Yes, you're already there. And, so you're on-
0: <laughs> and I, I, wow, I don't, I don't remember his debut race. I don't even remember. What track was it? Can you give me a hint on the track? Autodrome Drummond.
3: That's what it's ah, said on so the, Auto
0: Drone that, that's the, that's the track. So Autodrome Drummond. That's the Canadian was- track, isn't
3: it? Yes, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I never even heard of that truck before I it. Yeah, no,
0: it's in Canada. And I'm gonna say I think he got second actually.
3: Yeah. And it was and the car that beat him was a NASCAR driver's owned driver who you've actually had a road trip with, his dad.
0: <laughs> a NASCAR-owned driver who I've had a road trip with his dad. dad. Yes, yeah, so, I don't know if
1: it's a road trip no, or if so, we were going doing collections. So NASCAR, <laughs> NASCAR driver at the time. So, so
0: Joey uh, Joey won so, the Joey, race, Joey right? Saldana won on, the race. Hang on, can you spell his name for me as well?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, so I think you got out of the questions correct. You got, obviously we'll count the, the Sydney Speedway thing is fair enough. You got three got out of the five correct, I think. There was. You
1: got under the table, Dan.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll go check. Hang on. (laughs) I don't want to see that. He likes to go (laughs) shopping for these things. (laughs) You know what? We're talking about nostalgia and Sydney Speedway and the Sydney Showground. Do you remember these things?
0: I do remember those mustics. things. Must. <laughs> mustics. Mustics. <laughs> that's everybody. about my age, right? <laughs> Pink mustic. Pink Mustics. <laughs> so that's
3: that's your prize was. And um, dude, I'm I'm a rap that you came on the podcast. Hey,
0: hey, really happy to be here, and thanks for inviting me. I uh, I've had a, had a blast. Really had a good laugh.
1: No, thank you for coming. It's been a good chat.
3: It's been a great chat. Cheers. Thanks, thanks guys. very much.
1: Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of On the Couch with Huli. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And to help us grow, please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For extra content, check out our YouTube and social channels. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.